0: after all these years I don't know you you know uh, but just be praying for me but we want to go to the Lord in prayer before we get into our message so let's let's do that now Heavenly Father we thank you so much for today and our Lord I pray that that our our hope is the fact that it's better to have one day in your courts than than thousands elsewhere Lord I, I pray each and every one of us here has got the assurance this morning that when we're finished with the job you've given us on this earth, that if we shut our eyes and you call us home, or Father, you come to get us, that we know Jesus Christ so that we will not only be spending one day in your course, but Lord, every day for eternity. Lord, I say every day realizing that there's not going to be any night or day. There will be for eternity in your courts, Lord, just worshiping you and, 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 and praising you. And, and, and Father, because of that, that's why we, uh, Lord, why I've been preaching some of the messages I've been preaching lately, Lord. Hell is a real place. Father, I think we've talked about in the last couple of weeks that, that there are billions of people who have never heard the gospel. There are some 5,000 people groups who have never heard the gospel. They're disengaged. uh, Nobody's been there. There's no Christian presence there. And Father, Your Word tells us that that those who who die without knowing You are, are destined for a real place the Bible calls hell. Father, I pray for not only those folks, Lord, that You would raise up workers for the harvest field, But Father, you would also, Lord, puncture our hearts. Not just speak to our hearts, but puncture our hearts here. Because we've all got loved ones, we've got friends, relatives, co-workers, folks in our neighborhood. Father, if they don't give their life to Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in that real place called hell. And Lord, the sad part about it is is that here in the United States so many of us have chance after chance after chance to accept Jesus. I'm not talking about becoming a member of a church. I'm not talking about becoming a member of a denomination or having a philosophy of life or having religion or even believing in the Bible. But I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where we've turned from our sin and turned to Jesus and asked Him to save us and then allowed Him to to live through us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, be with us this morning. Open our hearts and souls and minds to what you've got to teach us. Father, as always, I pray this morning you bring correction where correction's needed, encouragement where encouragement's needed, but most importantly, I pray that you bring Christ into the life of that one, those few or those many that might be here. Lord, good people, moral people, religious people, Prayerful people, even Bible-believing people, but Father, they've never taken that next step on head belief and putting it into application of their lives. Again, turning from their sin and turning to Jesus. I pray for them today that Your Holy Spirit would get a hold of them. They make the most important decision they could ever make in all eternity. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, I'd ask you to turn to the Book of Revelation. Funny thing about that book is uh, we hear so many different titles. We, we hear the book of The Revelation. We hear the book of Revelations. We hear the book of The Revelations. But the title of the book is simply Revelation. Revelation. Um, scripture this morning comes out of Revelation chapter 20. I want to share verses 11 through 15 with you. And if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's Word, if you'd stand, please. Then I saw a great white throne, and on him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. May God bless us by the reading and hearing, but most especially the doing of His Word. You may be seated. After... A thousand years, if you will, of this earth being the best it's ever been, after a thousand years of, of the earth being ruled by Jesus Christ Himself from Jerusalem, the Bible tells us that, that God is going to, to let Satan loose one time after he'd been bound for a thousand years. And and There are going to be people that even at that point, they've lived a thousand years with Jesus Christ, they're still going to turn and side with Satan, but God's Word tells us this rebellion is going to be quickly put down, and then what is known as the great white throne judgment is going to come about. A couple things I want us to see here. Is it number one, folks that say, well, if you would just show me proof, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see God, I'd believe. That passage right there tells us that it's not true because there are folks that are going to be living in the presence of Jesus for a thousand years. You know, the Bible tells us that it's not by sight. You know, the Bible tells us that it's by faith we believe. That faith cometh by hearing. And all those different passages we hear about faith, it's got nothing to do with sight. So what's going to take place then is a great white throne judgment. And uh, what's going to happen is that, that all the dead... Even those that were living during the, the i am sorry—during the, the thousand years are going to be judged, and, and there's going to be uh, just just for for information's sake, there's going to be two judgments. One is called the Bema judgment, in which those of us that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are going to be given our rewards. Our rewards for what we've done for Him, for what we've done in, in His name and truly done in His name. The things we've done for ourselves or maybe even the things that we've done saying we were doing it for God, but in reality we're saying, man, look at what old Johnny boy did. The Bible tells us all these things are going to be burnt up like wood and hay and stubble but that the works that we did truly for God are going to be like gold and silver and precious stones and the bible tells us that we're going to take those awards those rewards as soon as Jesus gives them to us and he's going to and we're going to lay them at his feet and we're going to be with him for eternity now that's the good part the good judgment, the bad part if you will, is that we read here there's going to be a great white throne judgment. And what that great th- white throne judgment is all about is that all those who never received Jesus Christ during their lifetime are going to stand before him. And if your name's written in the Lamb's, uh, in, I'm sorry, with their name not being written in the Lamb's book of life, in other words, they never gave their life to Jesus Christ, they're going to be cast forever not like a fire. And folks, I want everybody to realize this morning that, and I probably said this a couple times during the series, this series at that great white throne judgment, there isn't going to be any. Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to explain my case to God. There are so many people that say that, but folks, if you're in that spot when you get to the great white throne judgment, your mouth is going to be shut because it's going to be so obvious. That you rejected Jesus, and that you were, you were a sinner, just like the rest of us that that, that had admitted it, but came to christ i 've heard so many people over the years say well i 'm going to i 'm going to to plead my case folks what we don 't realize is that the, our case has already been pleaded the, the The verdict has already been handed down guilty we 're guilty of being sinners because we 're guilty of being sinners. The sentence is death so the 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 court case has already been heard, the sentence, I mean the verdict has already been passed, the sentence has been handed down, death. What we need is an advocate, what we need is somebody to come in and intercede for us, to get us clemency, to get us a pardon. And that pardon was made by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary some 2,000 years ago. So there won't be any of, of, of what I'm going to explain my case, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the perils of hell. Some of y'all might be familiar with the, the, the book written, I guess, in the 1500s, 1600s by Dante. It's known as Dante's Inferno. And in, in his description of hell, of Hades, he had people walking through a gate. And over top of that gate were written the words, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Now, now though that was secular literature, that is fitting... For people who die outside of Christ and are sentenced to an eternal hell, abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. That's, that's the peril of hell, is that, you, that there's no hope. And I want to explain why there's no hope here in, in, in a few of these uh, points here. First of all, I want us to realize this morning that hell is not a place of second chances. Hell is not a place of second chances. There are some, first of all, let me back up, there are some who believe that there is no hell. But folks, I'll reiterate again, Jesus spoke more about hell in the Gospels than He did about heaven. If Jesus believed hell was real, then folks, hell is real. There's a group of folks that don't believe that there's a hell. (laughs) They can believe that at their own peril. But then there are another group of folks that believe everybody in hell is going to get a second chance everybody's going to get a second chance. They believe that hell is not permanent, but will last only as long as it takes for the final person in hell, the most stubborn, the most obstinate person in hell, to realize, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus Christ to save me. They believe that's how long hell's going to last. And then hell's either going to be destroyed, or it's just going to be left emptied. But see, they ignore verses, even in in this passage, Like verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anybody whose name was not written before they were cast into the lake of fire isn't going to get out of the lake of fire. And their reasoning behind things like that is because, well, look at, look at Verse 10. You know the, the, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever. They try to say, well see, that's just saying there that it's the demons and, and, and his angels. But you just can't take one Bible verse and pull it out to fit what you want to believe and, and ignore all the other ones. There's not going to be a second chance. Nowhere did Jesus say that there's going to be another chance. Not only is hell a place where there's no second chances, hell's also a place where there's not going to be any relief. There's no escape. There's no way out. There's no amount of praying, no amount of light, lighting candles, no amount of giving money away or doing good deeds done by those that have been left behind to change our eternity. There's no chance for us to come back as ghosts and help people to do good deeds and earn our way into heaven. Once we're gone, we're gone. There's, there's no second chance. There's, there's no relief. There's not going to be anything but torment. Torment. And another reason that we we want to believe, or that we know that that hell's not a place of second chances, is all we have to do is look at the rich man and Lazarus in the story in Luke chapter sixteen. If you read that story, you read through that story, and you pay attention. That man never once asked to be released. He didn't cry out to 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 to. Whoever he was talking to, the angel, and say, "Please get me out of here and put me put me where Lazarus was." The best he asked for, the best he thought he could hope for, was would well, tell Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and then touch it to my tongue. You know, he never asked to be released, and he also knew that 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 not only knew that it was eternal, but but that it was an eternal separation because we read in there. Lazarus can't get to you because there's a great gap between us. Hell is a real place, and it's a place, it's not a place of second chances. There's not going to be another opportunity for you to do good works or to to claim Christ. There's not going to be an opportunity for others to do things. And even if you have the quote unquote the opportunity, we couldn't do it because of the great gap that's, that's between the two places. The great gap, represent uh, representative uh, of the gap between uh, sin and holiness. People in hell, residents of hell, and a holy God, a holy Jesus Christ. And the reason I bring this up, some of you may have read this book. There's a book that's been out a couple years. Ago, that's been out for a couple years now, uh, called "Love Wins," and it was written by a pastor by the name of Rob Bell, and he's a pastor of Mars Hill up in Michigan or Illinois or somewhere like that. And for years, from what I understand, this gentleman was a pretty basic Bible-believing pastor. But somehow, some way, over the years, he came to the conclusion that based on the way he read the Bible, and I think in a lot of instances in the articles I've read about him and the, the, the commentaries and critiques of what he believes, he pulled some things out of, out of context. He, he interpreted some Greek words wrong because he wants to believe that everybody's going to get to heaven. And he over the past few years, he's changed his entire theology. And folks, this guy's got something like 7,000 people that go to his church every Sunday. 7,000 people that are, be, that are being taught falsehoods. Sincerely being taught, but folks, being sincere and being the truth are two different things. You've heard me say it before. I can tell you, I can believe I'm a member of an order, religious orders, called the religious, uh, called the religious wood bonkers. And I've got this holy two-by-four I carry around, and if I hit you upside the head with this holy two-by-four, you're going to see heaven. You know what? I hit you with that. You might see stars, <laughs> but you're not going to see heaven. It doesn't matter how sincere I am. I'm sincerely wrong. And there are folks that believe that we'll get a second chance. There are folks that believe that we'll, some folks can even spend time in hell or some denomination's a place called purgatory and they're going to get another chance to come to know Jesus. But the Bible nowhere, no way, shape, form, even hints that there's a way to change our eternities after we've died. In fact, the Bible says it's appointed, to a, to a, it's appointed unto a man to die once and then the judgment. So one of the perils of hell is that it's not a place of second chances. The second thing I want to see about the peril of hell, there are those that believe that hell's a place of second chances and it's not, but there are others that believe hell is a place of annihilation. Well, it's not a place of annihilation. And these are the folks who think, well, you know what? Maybe folks are going to go to hell but they're not going to burn, they're not going to be tormented, they're not going to be punished for eternity. That after a certain period of time, God is just going to speak the Word and hell is going to completely be destroyed and all those in it. And that they become nothing. But folks, again, there's nowhere in the Scripture that teaches that. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. In Mark chapter 9... verses 44 through 48, you may remember this passage where Jesus is, is saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. But three times in verses 44, 46, and 48, Jesus makes the comment that the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Well, if it doesn't die, the worm doesn't die and the fire isn't quenched, then that tells me that it's going to continue on on and on and on and on and on for all eternity. In Jude chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, it speaks of those who, Jude the brother of Jesus, speaks of those who have gone the way of Cain. In other words, they've rejected God's way. They rejected God's plan. And that for them is reserved a place of blackness of darkness forever. Now I will say in that instance, that is not me speaking incorrectly. That's the way it's printed in the Bible. Blackness of darkness. (laughs) But Jude, the brother of Jesus, said that it's going to be a place that lasts forever. Forever. Revelation 14.11 we read, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, that they have no rest day or night. They have no rest forever and ever. Guess what? You know what the word forever means? <laughs> forever. You know what the word eternal means? Eternal. You know what no rest means? No rest. I mean, I realize that there are some passages in the Scripture that, that are hard to understand and, and hard to interpret. But folks, some of my pastor used to say when the, when, when, when the Word of God makes plain sense, seek no other sense. When it makes common sense, seek no other sense. And all through the descriptions of hell, we always see eternity, no rest, no peace, the worm doesn't die. The fire isn't quenched. Eternal darkness, eternal fire, eternal flames, eternal separation from God. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, we read this The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Forever means forever. There will not be something called annihilation. Hell is just going to be hell for all eternity. And then lastly, the verses we read here. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We see here in verse 13, We see that the the sea gave up its dead, and death in Hades delivered up the dead. Now what they're talking about there is, and I didn't realize this for, for years, the sea giving up their dead, that's not just necessarily talking about somebody lost at sea. But what it's talking about are the dead bodies coming up. The, 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 the body being resurrected, and then at the same time, we see death in Hades. That's representative of the, of the spirit, of the soul of the person that rejected Jesus Christ all their life. That's going to be resurrected, and, and just as we that know Jesus Christ, are, we're going to be resurrected, and we're going to be giving a spiritual body that's fit for heaven... Those that die outside of Christ are going to be given a spiritual body that's fit for hell for all eternity. There's not not any cutoff date. God's not saying, well, 2.1 billion years after, after the great white throne judgment, I'm going to snap my fingers and hell's gone. It doesn't teach that at all. The perils of hell. Hell's not a place of second chances. The perils of hell... It's not a place of annihilation. And, and I need to back up real quick before I get to this point. The whole reason I brought that up is because folks think, well, it can't be that bad if it's all going to end. You know? I dare say, even if it did end, and they were down there for a couple thousand years burning, they'd say, hey, this isn't... This isn't I wasn't going to say this isn't too hot, but it will be hot. <laughs> you know? Hello? Okay. So the perils of hell—it's not a place of second chances. The places of the peril of hell—it's not a, a place of annihilation, and that there'll be no end to the suffering, and the, and the torment, and the punishment. Which brings me to the last point. Hey, he's going pretty fast today. That don't mean anything. <laughs> hell is as real and as eternal as heaven. Right. Hell is as real and as eternal in heaven. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, we read the, this, and Jesus was, in this story, Jesus was talking about the sheep and the goats and separating them. I told you it doesn't mean anything. I'll share a real quick story with you. When I was in the Navy, and you guys in the military probably know what I'm talking about, they send you to a class before you get out to help you learn to write resumes and to make your transition, You know, help you with job interviews and all these things as you make your transition, at least they did in the Navy, from the military world to the civilian world. And they had us in groups, and, and each one of us took, turn as, took turns as the pr- prospective employee and the other folks in the group took turns as the interviewer and I had another guy in there and oh this was so embarrassing that passage right there about the about the sheep and the goats we were sitting there and he says well says you'd like to be the pastor of our church tell me what 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 does the story of the sheep and the goats mean to you and I looked at him like what he says you know that story about the sheep and the goats. Where Jesus says, I'm going to gather the, the goats on the left and the sheep on the right. And I go, what? <laughs> and, and I had no clue. I mean, my brain just froze. I had no clue what the guy was talking about. And I know he walked away thinking, that guy's going to pastor a church somewhere. <laughs> you know, but in this, in this story right here, Jesus says that the, the goats are going to be gathered on the left, the sheep on the right, and the sheep will be brought into the fold. But he says, the ones that are on the left, he says that he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire. What does everlasting mean? Everlasting. Into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in Mark chapter 9, verse 43, Jesus is speaking here. He says, If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into eternal life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Two things. It's eternal. We see never. We see everlasting. But also it emphasizes the point these are two other places where Jesus speaks about hell. Places where Jesus speaks about hell. Again, there are those that believe that there is no hell. And one of the perils of hell are people believing that there isn't one. You know what? I can believe gravity doesn't exist. But if I get up on the roof and I take a step off, guess what's going to (laughs) happen? I'm going to fly. No. (laughs) I'm going to hit the ground. And then, then my loving wife Tammy is going to look at me and say something like, You idiot, you knew you, knew you were going to fall. You know. There are those that believe that there's no hell, but it's as real and as eternal as heaven is. And, and folks, the whole what it, what it amounts to is we have got to remember who God is. God the Creator, God the Sustainer, God the One who called everything into creation and maintains everything. God the One who gave us His Word. God makes the rules. God is the one that makes the rules. And if we say, well, you know what, Pastor? I can't serve a God that would be that mean that He'd send somebody to hell. Two things. Number one, we say it again and again, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go to hell by rejecting Jesus Christ. But number two, when you say, I can't believe in a God that... Well, what we're doing now is we're getting away from the God in here and starting to worship a God of our own creation. I never forget, kind of telling my age here, years ago, I was, I guess, a young adult, young teenager, an older teenager, and there was a Barbara Walters special on TV, and for some, what the world was going on, I don't know, that I was sitting there and watching it. And some of y'all might remember Boy George from the Culture Club. And, I mean, this was back in the day where you didn't really even talk a whole lot about the gay issue. But Barbara Walters asked him a question, and and she said uh, something to the effect that you say that you're pretty spiritual, and well, how does your spirituality, how does your religion match up with your lifestyle? And he said, well, the God I serve, the God I love, the God I believe in, doesn't see any difference in, in my lifestyle and in anybody else's lifestyle. The God that I serve, the God that I love, loves me just the way I am. And, and, and I don't remember if I was a Christian then or, or, or not a Christian, but it just, it hit me even then, when you start saying stuff like that, you're making it up as you go along. Amen. You know, there's got to be a standard. There's got to be a, a, a mark. And, and we talked about that what well, last fall last summer when we when we went through the apologetics series there are standards there is an absolute truth and, and god this is absolute truth the absolute truth is, is is if you turn from your sin and you turn to jesus and ask him to save you you'll be saved the truth is if that you don't turn from your sin and turn to jesus you're saying i'm going to find my own way i'm going to find another way i'm going to make the rules myself But what you're saying is, what you're doing is you're rejecting God and God, the ultimate rule maker, says that if you don't accept my son as Jesus Christ, then you're accepting this other place. And that we send ourselves to hell by rejecting Jesus. God's rules. God, a holy God cannot look upon sin. A holy God cannot fellowship with sin. And all these folks that say, "Well, God's a God of love." Yes, He is a God of love, but He's also a God of truth. He's a God of righteousness. Uh, He's a He's a God. The Bible tells us He's a God of wrath. You know, I'm gonna slip this in real quick on you. You know, we we talk lots of times about well, God God loves the sinner, but He hates the sin. Yes, to to in a in a very real sense, that's true. But do you also realize that God does hate the sinner? Because you can you can read several places in, in in psalms. I talked about it a couple Wednesday nights ago. I should have brought it with me but but specifically talks about God hating the sinner, God hating the people that are doing things against His will. so yeah though the God in a sense, loves the sin, but hates the sinner and the fact that He wants us to come to him. That's how much He loves us. He wants us to come to Him. But His hatred of sin is such is that if we reject Him, you've got no other choice than to suffer the wrath of God on your own. See, that was one of the reasons Jesus went to the cross was to take our sin, our punishment, the wrath that was due us for being enemies of God. He took that all on Himself so we wouldn't have to do it. It's like that old... Uh, I was it Napa? I'm really, telling my age now. I think it was a Napa commercial. The guy used to talk about, well, you can get these cheap parts, you know, or and your car break down again, or you can come to Napa and get these parts. And he said something like, "It's pretty simple. You can either pay me now, or you can pay me later." And folks, that's the way it is with us. We we can either pay the price now for for the judgment that's due us by accepting Jesus Christ, or we wind up paying later ourselves. Because once we've rejected him, the only other person that the judgment can fall on, the other only other person the wrath can be poured out on is us. We can turn to him now and let him pay. How many of us, and I know this is a poor this is a poor example, how many of us would turn down a free meal? You know, hey, I'll pay for it. And you know, why don't you come? We go. Some of us are Let's be honest, a little, a little tight with the wallet. Well, I'm not going to go to lunch if I've got to pay for it by myself. You know, in, in a sense, that's kind of, you know, either we let God pay for it by turning to Jesus or we say, no, that's okay, I'll pay for it later. And we go to a real place that the Bible calls hell. Why is there a place called hell? Because God makes the rules. God set that, that place aside for eternity for those that reject Him. Folks, the last thing I'm going to tell you today as is, is we're talking about this, is if you're one of these folks that say, well, I can't believe a loving God would do this, or I can't believe God would do that, or I choose to believe there is no hell, don't fall for the lies of Satan. Because that's exactly what these things are. These are lies straight from the pit of hell. See, what we need to remember is that Satan... Satan's goal isn't to have us bow the head and bend the knee and say, Satan, you're my God and I worship you. All he wants to do is to keep us from accepting Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of of him wanting us all to become Satanists. It's just a matter of Him wanting us not to accept Jesus. And all these things, well, I don't believe a God would do that. you know. Even God using, using men and women to preach, oh, there's no such thing as hell because God loves everybody. These are lies straight from the pit of hell that Satan uses. The Bible tells us that Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. So I can understand, I can believe that there are folks preaching false doctrine because the Bible tells us that it's going to happen. But don't fall for the lies of Satan. The Word of God leaves no doubt as to the existence or the nature of hell. With clarity and with authority, God has told us everything we need to know about hell and how to avoid it through the merits of Jesus Christ. So the question this morning is, as we conclude not what do you believe about hell, not what do you believe about hell, but what does God say about hell? And where are you going to spend your eternity? Has there ever been a time that you've acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner? You turn from your sin, and you turn to Jesus, and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and to become your Lord and Savior. And folks, I hope you realize when I say that, I'm saying something different from admitting you're a sinner and believing that Jesus Jesus is God and asking Him to come in. Because true salvation is turning from our sin and turning to Christ. Getting rid of the old person and becoming a new person in Jesus Christ. Because in 2 Corinthians it says... Uh, uh, Somebody help me become a new creation. All things all things have passed away and all things have become new. Wow, I don't know what my problem is today. But the Bible tells us if we come to know Christ, we're going to be changed. And one of my fears as a pastor or one of my concerns, because I know God works it all out, but one of my concerns is how many folks have just said a prayer, walked an aisle, maybe got baptized, but their lives continued on the way they were before they came to know Jesus. And folks, you might be here like that this morning, and with all the love in me, but in all the honesty in me, if that's you, if you cannot look at your life and see a difference, and I'm not talking about just living a moral life. There are moral people out there that don't lie, kill, cheat, or steal. But if all you did was said a prayer, walk an aisle, maybe got baptized, but there has not been any discernible change in your life, in other words, you've not developed the characteristics of Jesus, then with all the love in me, but all the honesty in me, you've not been biblically saved. You've not been biblically born again. And Satan will even use those truths To blind you. Satan will even say, Oh, well, all you got to do is is, is say the prayer. Believe and say the prayer, and you're okay. He gives you just enough of the truth to get you in, to to, to get you to buy into it, but he doesn't feed you the, the full truth. Do you know for sure this morning that time has ever occurred in your life? Because if it isn't, or if you can't remember, or if you haven't done that, today is the appointed time. Today is the day that God is calling you to turn from your old life and turn to Jesus. Well, no, Pastor, it might not be. It could be that that's just because of what you were preaching. Folks, I firmly believe that what I'm preaching is what God told me to preach. And if God told me to preach it, then it's applicable to all of us. And it's not chance, not fate, not luck, not destiny, that I'm preaching this message and you guys are hearing it. Whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian, including me, we're all here by a divine appointment today to hear God's Word, and when God's truth is given out, decisions are expected to be made. And I'm not saying come running down the aisle saying, Pastor, I was wrong, I wasn't saved. That's up to you guys. Do you truly know Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning? Have your sins truly been forgiven? Have you truly turned from your old life and turned to Jesus? And I was in a prayer meeting the other night, not just turning to Jesus, but running to Jesus, begging Him, save me. And perhaps that might be what some of us need to do this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please if you're here this morning and and you're not sure whether or not you're saved God wants you to be sure His word tells us that we can be sure if you're not sure why not turn to Jesus today say God I believe I am but I'm not sure I'm coming to you today and just in case I just in case I didn't do it Lord I'm turning from my sin today and I'm turning to you You might be here this morning and you know for a fact you've not been saved. You might be a good person, as I said in my prayer this morning, a good person, a moral person, a religious person, a prayerful person. You may believe everything the Bible says, but that same Bible that you believe everything it says also says that the devil and the demons believe and they're not going to be in heaven. You're here this morning and you know for a fact that you're not saved. Today God's calling you to do the same thing He's asking the folks to do that are unsure. To turn from your sin and to turn to Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer.